Welcome back to the Thermodat Podcast. I'm your host, Jaden Miller, and I'm here with my co-host, Mr. Tyler Woodward. How are you doing today, Jaden? I'm doing well. How are you? Well, today's episode is brought to you by Zoo Collagen, our premier collagen grass-fed protein. Yeah, and today's episode is going to be about what does it mean to be healthy? Yes, sir. So I think healthy, and I think you'd agree, is probably the most convoluted word we hear today. Um, it really has absolutely no meaning in most contexts. People just throw the word around like, oh, it's healthy, it's not healthy, it's good for you, it's bad for you. But at the end of the day, like generally when you ask someone what does it mean to be healthy, they don't really have a good answer. Um, if you look, if you define healthy on, like, uh, I believe, Oxford Dictionary, defines it as not diseased, mm-hmm. which is a pretty poor definition, I would say. Yeah, and that's I feel like that's most people's perspective whenever they think about being healthy. It's just not being sick mm-hmm. in a lot of cases. Which is kind of the issue with the quote-unquote medical establishment, right? Like you go to the doctor just to confirm you're not dying. Right. More or less. Maybe you broke a bone or something, but it's not a, what's the word? Um, you go in there after it's too late, right? It's not a like beforehand action. Yeah, like a proactive yes. approach. It's a reactive, yes. Yeah. Which is the issue. So I think there's a lot better ways to think about what is healthy in terms of food and also what is healthy in terms of, you know, you and I. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely think that there's a difference between like... Um, Say, for instance, like you go to the doctor and, you know, all your cylinders in your motor are running, but they're running at a very low capacity. They're not necessarily putting as much output as they could into the system. And so, like, you know, you could be at the low end of the spectrum of health and still be classified as healthy, but Mm -hmm. it doesn't necessarily mean that you're thriving and actually like getting the juice out of the fruit of life, if you will. Yeah, well, I, I don't, we're not going to make up any statistics, but I know there is statistics that's like, I think the most common complaint doctors receive is that they're just tired. Mm-hmm. And I don't think, I mean, this isn't going to show up on any sleep, or may, may not show up on a sleep test, but probably not going to show up on any blood tests. It might at some point, but this is not a thriving state, as you would say. It's, it's like, you might look fine, you might, your blood markers might come back fine but you're not really thriving. You're not really healthy in my eyes. Right. Yeah. And most of the time doctors are only taught how to diagnose illnesses, not necessarily how to make the human organism run as well as it possibly could. Mm-hmm. It's also interesting. Like you have these things where it's like you're pre-diabetic and then you're diabetic, right? It's like the spectrum, but they, you're not, there's, we all know before you're pre-diabetic, like you're leading there, things like that, like high blood pressure, going to that. But until you get to a certain point, Till you get to high blood pressure, till you get to diabetic, that's when they really start to treat you generally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And like most of the time, they'll tell you to, you know, clean up your diet and start exercising, but they don't have a good definition for what a good diet actually is or for what good exercise actually is mm-hmm. either. So, how would you define healthy? Um, I would say that I don't know. It's kind of hard to put into words because it's like, um, you know, I feel like this is one of the main missions at Umzu is to give people back their health, put mm-hmm. putting their health back in their own hands, if you will. If you um, will. And so, like with that, it's almost like putting color to a black and white surface, almost. If that makes sense. Uh, could you elaborate a little bit? Like, um, I would say that it puts a lot more vibrancy into your life. So, um, kind of like the, uh, 
I think it was the Claritin commercial back in the day. Did you ever see it where it was like a super dull commercial and then all of a sudden like they had yes. the color correction and it was super bright and vibrant? Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like it's almost like that. Like you're pulling yourself out of a state that's kind of like dull and clouded and gray um, and putting yourself into like a very vibrant and like zealous state. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think if we want to get a little bit more technical, we could probably define health as hormonal balance. Mm-hmm. And I think under that umbrella, I think we have the big principles or big factors. Yeah. <laughs> um, which is micronutrient balance. It's not being deficient in any of the key micronutrients, getting enough. Most of these are going to be dietary. So lifestyle and diet factors of stress, getting enough protein, getting enough of the right kinds of protein, getting enough fat soluble vitamins and regular vitamins. Um, and, I think when we look at that and we look at those things, because we know that micronutrient deficiencies are always going to lead to hormonal imbalances. You can't create the toy in the factory if you don't have the ingredients to make it, right? So if you're low in testosterone, you probably are going to be good chance you're deficient in magnesium, boron, zinc, things like that, maybe copper. Um, and the like, list just keeps going on. And I think if we were to look at health in this light, you could be much more reactive about it. Mm-hmm. Because you can go to a test and it doesn't happen very often, but it's a big thing we're preaching and hopefully going to bring in soon. But micronutrient tests are, are going to be a sign that you're probably – your diet is fault wavering. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is likely going to lead to health problems down the line. Yeah, definitely. I, um, I definitely think that there is the more, um, I guess, like existential side of it too. So like, you know, if – your all of your micronutrients are balanced and your hormones are balanced like if you're still haven't dealt with trauma that you've experienced in your life from a mental aspect or um you're in complete isolation and don't get human contact for from anybody um then i wouldn't necessarily classify you as healthy because there's still a whole piece of the puzzle that you're missing yeah 100% i mean there's just no way to account for like the social aspect of it i don't think there's any digital metrics that we can regard. But I feel like generally, like probably our best bet is to look at hormone imbalance or balance and then micronutrients that underlie them. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I I just, we talked talking about this with a friend yesterday and it's like, you can be the richest man in the world. There's probably a lot more people that are happy that are very poor and how are surrounded by great friends and family than people that are rich and extremely rich and have no one surrounding them. Right. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think the social aspect is huge. Also, like, I feel like that the body keeps the score is very related to that as well. Your, yeah. Your book. Yeah, 100%, definitely. Um, and, you know, a lot of the times whenever mental aspects aren't necessarily taken care of, then they can lead to different nutrient deficiencies. Like mm-hmm. um, if, you, if you've read Nutrient Power by William Walsh, like um, he does a great job of kind of laying that out and letting you see the different um, – things that can happen whenever you're deficient in micronutrients and things that can lead to um, quicker, like, burn rates of micronutrients in the system too. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Nutrient therapy is just such an interesting topic. Yeah, for sure. But I also think, I mean, there's this big emphasis today that, or not an emphasis on it really, that I think, like, we're at a degree we're all kind of sick, right? Like, I remember we were talking about this a while ago. It's like you start seeing these ads for dogs getting um, the anxiety meds and all this stuff, it's like, or anxiety supplements for dogs, like, why, like, dogs should not have anxiety. Mm-hmm. There's no wolf out there that is, like, curling up in a blanket when it's thundering out. Now, I'm not saying, like, this can happen. Dogs can experience trauma and 
but generally, I think a lot of it is caused by poor diet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think some of that also has to do with the fact, like, I feel like with dogs and even kids to a certain extent, like, it is a direct reflection of the person who owns the dog or has the kid. Like, um, you're usually going to end up seeing a lot of the problems that you face yourself mm-hmm. manifest in in your animal that you have or your kid that you have because you're projecting that energy onto them on a very consistent and very um, prolonged period of time. Yeah, and the physical aspect of like, you know, you are what your parents are, like you are what they eat. So you're going to accumulate those same, you already came in probably nutrient deficient, whatever nutrients they were deficient in. And then you're going to eat the same diet more or less your parents did because pretty much how all kids work. And you're probably going to accumulate more and more deficiencies as a result. Yeah, for sure. I also think that's one of the reasons that it's important to um, make sure that you take care of yourself so that you have the energy reserves that you need in order to um, give fully to the person that you're wanting to uh, pour into. Um, Because it's really hard to pour out of an empty cup, Mm. right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. And that's also, I think it leads on to these, like, there's just so many conditions that here today. Everyone you know and I know has some kind of, like, anxiety, depression. Like, we've all dealt with something, and I think it's just become normalized to be a little bit sick, and we've kind of, like, just swept it under the table. So I don't think 100 years ago it was like this. I think people were probably not necessarily a lot happier. Like, that's a little very subjective, but I think people were probably a lot healthier on average. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely, yeah. It is It's definitely weird because um, – you know, I've talked to groups of people who um, have gone through like it, it's it's really weird because like they'll start talking about um, going through depression and anxiety and all this other stuff. And I feel like I've had a lot of similar experiences that they've had. But then they've also talked about, you know, going on antidepressants and like, you know, I got to get my Prozac refilled and all this other stuff. Um, whereas I've always steer clear to that. And I feel like I'm almost in a better place because of that because I'm not as reliant on a lot of that stuff. Um, and, like, I've I've had to sit down and actually face a lot of the stuff that I'm dealing with rather than trying to cover it with a Band-Aid with an antidepressant or an anti-anxiety medication or something. Yeah, I mean, the amount of kids I know that are on Adderall or Ritalin and all that stuff, and it's crazy. I've, I'm sure you've seen all this stuff. Like, we're basically meth. Mm-hmm. Like, it's very close. I believe there's one chemical bond difference between – Adderall, which is, do you know the chemical name? Uh, no, they're all amphetamines. Though. Yeah, it's something methamphetamine, I believe. That, that might be meth. That might just be meth. It's something amphetamine, but it's literally a bond or two away from being meth. And we are prescribing to five year olds. Like, I think, I mean, a like we have to look again. Like, what are these kids lacking in their diets? But also, we have to address this point where it's like maybe these kids shouldn't be locked up in a classroom and aren't meant to just be brainwashed all day. Hey, looking at a board. Yeah. Absolutely. I completely agree. And like, especially whenever you start to learn about different ways that people learn, like whether it's visual learning, um, you know, auditory learning, kinesthetic learning, things like that. Um, The school system by and large today is very geared towards just making people into machines that can work a nine to five to help um, prop the economy up. You know, Mm -hmm. they're not necessarily taught to be creative and take advantage of their strengths and, um, you know, build something that mm-hmm. matters. Yeah, one of the most interesting class I took as a kind of as a joke in college because it was supposed to be an easy A and ended up being very interesting. We were talking about 
um, all the different types of let's you call it unschooling. So it's like homeschooling, um, group schooling, things like that. But they talk about a lot about how the current school system is just a manu- uh, factory, right? It's like okay, all the kids that are in the same age group, put them in the same classroom, and they go together one by one. They learn the exact same thing. You pump them out and you get them out, and hopefully they go. Maybe they go to college. Maybe they go to work at a mechanic shop, whatever it is. But it's not really conducive to you know, really learning and excelling in life in a lot of other ways. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Especially whenever it comes to innovation. I feel like that was one thing, especially like growing up, going to school, like anytime that you challenged the teachers or the professors that were Mm -hmm. there, um, you were deemed as like a a nuisance or someone who needed to get in trouble because they weren't listening to the authority. Um, Whenever a lot of times it's just trying to figure out a different way to get from point A to point B, um, and trying to be innovative and actually ask questions, um, which is it's really a shame. Yeah. My English teachers would always hate me because it was like the only honors class I wasn't in. So I would just be so bored and I would just like <laughs> dick around and they would just not they were not happy about it. But uh, so back to uh, the medications thing. I think it's uh, important to understand that everything has a cost, whether it's exercise, whether it's reading um, and medications as well and hormones. Everything is going to have a metabolic cost where it's going to increase your nutrient use, let's say, of nutrient burn rate, I think is a better way to phrase it, of certain things. So let's just, I'm going to mix them up. Like progesterone, maybe you burn B5 and B6 at a 10 times higher rate, or testosterone, maybe you burn cholesterol at a much higher rate. Um, Same thing with these antidepressants. Everything has this cost where you are using things faster than your body would normally metabolize it because you're taking this exogenous fuel source or mm-hmm. hormone. And I think that these things end up, so like a lot of these things you end up compounding. It's like you need it more and more because you are relying on it, eh, but you're also becoming more and more deficient in these things that it burns. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a, a double-edged swords with these, uh, a lot of these compounds. Like, And not that they can't be beneficial and useful in a lot of aspects, some of them, but they also, no one talks about the cost a lot of the time. Yeah, definitely. And I feel like that's very true whenever it comes to hormonal replacement therapy, especially like um, whenever it comes to women and like thyroid health. That's one that I've seen uh, Mm -hmm. that is very prevalent. Like um, they'll get a low, a high TSH and a low T4 test. Um, Then the doctor will prescribe them more T4, um, which is not necessarily something that is very conducive to a a holistic thyroid approach. and then they're stuck on that thyroid for the rest of their life and they don't tell them to do anything else. Like they don't tell them to start eating better. They don't tell them to start exercising better. They don't tell them to, um, you know, look at the different things that could be inhibiting your thyroid from working properly. They just toss the the thyroid pill at them and they're on it for the rest of their life. Yeah. Yeah. That was one of the disappointing things I thought about uh, William Barnes' book, The Hype uh, Thyroid, The Unsuspected Illness, because didn't really talk about any of the natural remedies to fix thyroid. It was just like, this will do this pill, which I mean, thyroid is cool. I was experimenting with it. Um, but it's like, this pill will fix it, can fix this, 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 and this. And I was like, that's cool. But why are we having these problems in the first place? Yeah, definitely. And that book really goes over like the versa, like the versatility that thyroid has in the body. Like, Cause mm-hmm. like it plays a role in nearly everything from mental health. Like he was able to cure people who had, who were, had like schizophrenic tendencies who were hearing voices to um, people with just layers of dry skin on their 
arms and hands. Even like some GI disorders too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. That book it was very interesting for sure. Mm-hmm. Very eye opening. But I mean, it just goes to show. I mean, there's so many people like. Th- so my mom is always cold, and that's a direct sign of hypothyroid. There's a lot of things that we take for granted. Um, that it's just like. Like, uh, so my, like my dad has, or not, not to put him under the bus, but like he's had some GI disorders. Um, he's dealt with IBS a little bit. It's, my mom's always cold. Like it's these things, like my whole family, except really me deals with really bad anxiety. And it's these things like, oh, it just runs in the family. Sure it does. But maybe it also doesn't, mm-hmm. you know, it's not like you are, maybe you're prone to it, but it doesn't mean you have to have it. Right. Yeah. I completely agree. Yeah. Um, anything else you want to talk about? Um, not necessarily. Um, I kind of wish that we could further define like what it actually feels like to have your health um, or to actually like be healthy. Like what does mm-hmm. that actually feel like? You want to talk about one more thing before you want to talk about just exercising real quick? Sure. So I think so there's a tendency like we in society view athletes as the be all end all of health, mm-hmm. which I think a lot of times is the complete opposite of the truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, you see Michael Phelps, just uh, not to put him under the bus, but he just dealt with depression and a lot of things and alcoholism. And I think we see that a lot because these guys are going, their goal is to put as much stress as possible on their body and then recover from it. Mm-hmm. We as general human beings do not want to be stressing our body to that extent in any way. Um, so I think like we look at these athletes, like they're ripped, they look great. But even bodybuilders, like you see, I have a friend that's like comp- going to compete in bodybuilding and uh, there's a woman at the gym yesterday. It's like these people like look like they're about to die. Mm-hmm. And like this is not healthy. It's it's okay. If you want to do that, that's your call to do it with your body. It's your choice. But just because something looks cool, like they look ripped, like the average person who has a decent amount of body fat is probably healthier in general as long as they have a healthy diet and whatnot, maybe exercise a little bit than these crazy athletes. Yeah, definitely. I completely agree. And like whenever you see a lot of those athletes retire – like almost as soon as they retire, they just start going downhill. Like a lot of them will get super fat because they're not keeping up the amount of activity that they had before. Um, they'll start getting gray hair super quickly, um, all kinds of stuff. Like yeah. I would say that the only real athlete that I've seen that hasn't gone downhill super quickly is Shaquille O'Neal. Like <laughs> that guy, he he's killing it. He's DJ, he's doing. DJ, yeah. DJ Diesel. <laughs> yeah, no, it's almost like a rebound. Like, like they – Killed it for their 20 years, and then they stop, and it just, like, hits them like a brick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's an interesting point. And I guess it probably has to do with, like, the complete stop of activity they see a lot. And we're not saying the exercise is bad anyways. Like, and Jayden and I probably exercise a little bit too much sometimes with skiing and jiu-jitsu and all that. Mm-hmm. So you got to make your decisions. Like, it's not that you need to you – sh- everyone should exercise to some extent. But it's also just, you know, finding that balance of what works for you and what you enjoy. Jay and I both enjoy exercising. So we choose to spend our life doing that and doing mm-hmm. some jiu-jitsu, lifting weights and all that stuff. Also, like knowing your body, knowing where that line is, where you kind of know that you're either pushing a little too hard or um, you have some room to work with in terms of how hard you can actually work. Um, and kind of slowly moving that line up if you want to over mm-hmm. time. Um but not necessarily keeping it there either, like, you know, bring it back down and take some rest and stuff like that, too, because a lot of these athletes are just going 100 miles an hour for years and years and years on end. And then whenever they stop, it's just like mm-hmm. all the moment, all the momentum of the stress catches up to them. And yeah, as, as getting a little bit older, it's a thing I've noticed a little bit. It's like if you don't use it, you lose it. Mm-hmm. Like we're playing softball and everyone comes back. It's like so sore. I'm like. Dude, if I if I don't keep playing sports, like I'm gonna come back, want to throw with my kid in 15 years, 20 years, 
and I'm gonna be like, uh, uh, 10, 10 throws in, it's like I'm gonna go ice. Yeah. <laughs> so definitely, uh, stay moving, stay active. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I feel pretty good after softball, but that might just be because I'm uh, the premier athlete on the team. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm not, but it's okay. Yeah. Um, all right. So you want to talk about what health actually looks like? Yeah. Like, if you could define it in words, what does it feel like to have your health? Mm-hmm. So I think the biggest thing for me, and I slept great today, which is doesn't happen often. Uh, I think it's like waking up every morning and just like being well rested. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's huge. And I think, so I love ca- coffee and I love, as I know you do, I don't think you should need to rely on coffee all the time. Like there are some days where you're tired, you need a cup of coffee to start your day. But if you were slamming six, seven, eight cups of coffee, not that there's anything wrong with this inherently, but if you need it, if you're relying on it to make it through your day, I think that's a good sign that you are in a stress state. Um, I think there's certain things where it's like you having, I mean, healthy, happy, hung, was a healthy, horny, hungry. Mm-hmm. Um, those are the three, three H's. Three H's. Those are absolutely killer. Having some sort of libido or a high libido, um, being happy. I think, um, and I think, as you said before, like this is a very multifactorial. Like, you need to, just because you're healthy in a lot of ways doesn't mean you'll have social um, people, mm-hmm. good people. But, and yeah, I think those are the big things for me. What about you? Um, I think one of the things that people kind of like whenever they're thinking about a uh, state of thriving that they might see uh, a little off is that they think that whenever they get more energy and like more of all of these good things that, you know, they're going to be able to go a hundred percent all the time and not have to worry about it. Like they're, um, going to be able to work 10 hours a day, go home, spend three hours with the wife and kids, um, work out for two hours and then wake up and feel great every single day, day in and day out. That's not necessarily what it looks like. Um, it it's more along the lines of you have the ability to do whatever you need to do when you need to do it. Um, no questions asked, pretty mm-hmm. much, I would say. Interesting. I think that I'm to that first point, though. I think, I mean, maybe not doing as much, but, I mean, if you wanted to be optimally healthy, like you would probably have a lot less in your table. Mm-hmm. So you were always energized for the things you did have to do. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't imagine, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but, like, when I picture, like, Brent, Ben Greenfield, I feel like he's probably not doing much. Like he spends the entire day like massaging and doing electro physical ozone up the butt. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like that guy probably does not have a lot of stress going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's, I mean, he wants, I mean, him and Dave Asprey, they want to live to like 150 years old. And if you want to live to 150 years old, probably shouldn't be doing much throughout the day. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I agree. I mean, I don't think most of us aren't probably chasing this pinnacle of health. We just want to be in that top 10%, top 5% where it's like you feel great. Yeah, definitely, for sure. And that's where I think most of the benefits come in, mm-hmm. the top. The marginalized, it's probably not much to it. Or maybe if you want to live to 150, but other than that. Mm-hmm. Sweet. Yep, that's all I got for this one. Yeah, I think so too. All right. All right well, thanks for tuning in, and uh, have a great day. Peace. Peace.